Welcome to the Big Kickoff League of Ireland podcast with myself, Roy Shanahan, and as always, Nathan Doyle from TheBigKickoff.com. Now, after the 0-0 draw with Sligo Rovers, Drogheda manager Tim Clancy gave a scathing interview regarding referees in this country. Nathan, what did Tim have to say and what was his gripe? Yeah, before we get in, uh, very refreshing. Very, very refreshing to hear from a League of Ireland manager. From a manager in general, uh, in fairness to Tim. Yeah, look, he, he was talking to LMFM after the recent nil-all draw with Sligo Rovers in the showgrounds. Um, and it was regarding an incident towards the end of the game. So referee uh, Rob Harvey uh, booked him after being called over by the fourth official who was Derek Tomney on the night. So that was it. It was, it was apparently over um, some grievances that he had with, with some tackles. You know, just, just the, the general... Um, shouting out that Tim said it was hard done by in particular there was a rough tackle that went in on Ronan Murray that, that um, Tim really really believed that it should have been a booking and it was never given so we had, looking like the game was going to go on then all of a sudden Derek Tomney uh, swiftly called Harvey back over and that yellow card was then turned into a red card uh, for Tim Clancy who himself was only back from a suspension so uh the big grievance, I suppose, that Clancy had was he, he questioned the fellows, like I said, on, on uh, Ronan Murray earlier, and the fact that both Derek Tomley and Liam Buckley were seemingly, reportedly, having a bit of a laugh and a giggle. Um, I don't know how, what we can take into that, what Buckley was involved in, but we're just going off what Tim himself has said uh, during this short interview. Um, he feels that the referee standards, he took a major shot at Derek Tomley in particular, feels that he's hard to communicate to, feels that he has to be the centre of attention. And he even brought up an incident with Chris Lyons a couple of weeks ago that, that, that went between Lyons and Derek Tomley up in Valley Buffet uh, at a recent game. Apparently, uh, Chris Lyons, ahead of the game, slipped on one of the tiles mm-hmm. while making his way up to the pitch. And Tomley made a remark saying, uh, wait, or at least wait till you get onto the pitch before you start diving. Now, look, you can take that, you know, as a bit of friendly banter between two people that know each other. But for me, a referee, during a match like that, so close to a game, you know, there's a time and a place, isn't there, to be making these sort of comments. And it sort of goes back to and Tim, you know, he, he rounded off by bringing that incident back to the self-centeredness that he believes Derek Tomley uh, likes to take when it comes to his games. Yeah, the use, I think the word skating that you used was... Um, it's definitely appropriate. Look, if anyone's listening in and, and hasn't heard it, I'll search it out because um, it is skating. But like I said, it's very refreshing to hear a manager. And he's even said that he, he, he knows that even the interview might get him in some hot water. But he, he just he, he's fed up now at this stage, you know. And he even went as far as saying that he's seriously thinking about walking away from the League of Ireland and dropping the United itself, you know, a, a damning indictment of what the standard of refereeing is doing uh, to not only the supporters looking in but the people involved in the game in order to He also mentioned an example where there was a fellow manager, fellow coach I think it was a manager who was sent off I believe for leaving his technical area or uh, giving yeah. abuse leaving and he provided video evidence that he didn't and they shot him down straight away saying that the uh, that they, that wasn't allowed that you're not allowed to do that uh, and he got a three match ban 
So in other words, that the manager proved that the referee was lying and that he had no right to send them off, yet they covered it up, I suppose, is, is the best way you can do it, or it ignored them or, you know, sided with the referee, which I, I see up and down the country on an amateur level constantly. There is no, referee is either right or right in the eyes of a league, and mainly because there's a shortage of referees and they're scared shitless to lose referees that they will, no matter what, give that power to the referee to do as he pleases, act how he pleases. And a lot of them do tend to do as they please and act how they please. So this seems to be, and it it wrecks the game. There's no communication, as Tim Clancy said. Um, And obviously in the League of Ireland, it's no different than the lower levels. Obviously, they come from that. So they do think it's about them. They do think um, that they can do as they wish, say as they wish, and uh, actually treat people not like people, but how they want to treat them, uh, no matter what they want to do. And it's, 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 it's really disappointing that, you know, that there's no one there to sort of, they've never taken any sort of accountability there. Uh, the referees are a lot to themselves, really. Yes, but on, uh, that game we were talking about, I think you said, was in the Women's National League, wasn't it? Um, but yeah, and even during the interview as well, Tim has, has mentioned that he's brought forward that we could even be using GoPros or that sort of technology. Even. It doesn't have to be to an amazingly high standard, but it's just, it can be used for video evidence uh, when it comes to these investigations and these incidents. Like you said, it's come to a stage where this referees they're on a law unto themselves and they're, they're not going to be punished or they're not going to be made accountable for, for their actions whatsoever because it's just the shortest that we have in the country and the protection that comes around them. We've said here many a times on this podcast, and we've highlighted many of these mistakes, and we're going to continue to do it because it's really such an issue in this country. Like you said, not even in the, the levels of the Premier Division or the Fourth Division, but down at amateur level. It's, it's all across this country, and we're definitely going to continue to highlight it, but they really need to be held accountable. There has to be some sort of disciplinary action coming in for this. Um, Another thing, I actually found a little uh, nugget of information I thought was, was interesting with this. Um, Clancy now mentioned that he has a three-match three band, which, you know, that's a, it's big for them coming into such, you know, it, it's a vital part of the season now. And there's a big game against Bohemians uh, at home coming up on Friday. So he, he was mentioning that, and then he went on to mention that he feels other situations and scenarios are, 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 be, are being lenient on. He mentioned the, the, the recent FBI Cup quarterfinals between Shamrock Rovers and Bohemians where there was an incident where George Kelly joined the game. Um, he described it as violent conduct. And we, I'm sure we all seen the incident of Danny Manjo after the game throwing a coin back into the Bohemian fan base, which Tim said it could have went on and caused a riot. And with the hotbed of nature of that fixture, it well certainly could be. But both George Kelly and Danny Mandry only got had one match bans and you're looking at Tim Clancy now facing a three match ban. Boy, his words that something was never he wasn't roaring, he wasn't shouting, he wasn't coursing at the referees. He was simply just inquiring about fellows that that wasn't being ticked off, bookings that weren't being made, and something that happens in a weekly basis up and down and again, we, we talked about it before, haven't we, that the percentage and, and the numbers regarding managers in this league and in the fourth division getting booked that sent off it's ridiculously high compared to other leagues in Europe Yeah no I, I'm in total agreement I've, I see it first hand with referees around the country and it's 
it's never there's there's more poor referees than there is good referees. There are good referees out there. There are ones who are you know honest and will you know try and communicate with you. And then there's others who are well a uh, little dictatorship out on the pitch of their own where they yeah. want to tell you what the story is and and. Uh, they, they put, and not only that though some of them are just downright rude and obnoxious mm. and that's the biggest gripe I think people have you know communicate with the players but don't be don't be an arsehole and there is an awful lot of them yeah. that are that way I, I, I know another, another very uh, sort of call it dangerous isn't it when and again I think Tim even mentioned it in the interview um, that Tomley made, made some sort of comment that well it's not about you then who like who is it about? This game should be about protecting the player on the pitch. Should be about both draw the United and Clive of Overs in this incident. So when when you have a referee making these remarks, no, it's not about you. Then it was about you. Then is it about the referee? Because it certainly can't be. Like the referee's job, as you know, is to protect protect all the players out there in that pitch. So like this again, going back to the whole Sarah Tomley making himself the centre of attention. I've seen it. I've seen that firsthand, and, and I've said a couple of times in the podcast that Derek would be one of the lowest standard of officials in this country. And just to, to hear some of the comments that he apparently made in Clancy, yeah, geez, it's very worrying. Yeah, okay, we'll leave that there. Again, if any referees want to who are listening to the show want to contact us and put their side uh, of the story, absolutely, give us a shout. We'll pop you on and we'll have a discussion about it. Now, to the other side and to Dundalk, and Vinny Paird looks like he could be staying on for another couple of years. Yeah, he does. This, this was came out here, uh, James Rogers. James would be a freelance journalist. And in fairness, he's usually on the ball, especially when it comes to Dundalk content. Um, yeah, Finney Pearce set to sign a new two-year deal that was being stayed to the end of the 2023 season. Uh, this goes along with more local speculation that Peak Six are negotiating with Stat Sports on selling the club. We'll round back to that in, in a minute, Roy, because I think that's an in, it's definitely an interesting little take away from, from this story. Yeah, Finney Pearce uh, is due to be announced in the coming days and he's already planning and prepar- uh, preparing for next season in terms of the underage system and how they're going to filter them up to the fourth team and things like backroom staff and uh, yeah Vinny's current contract is up now in November so yeah I'm sure it'll be they'll be looking to get somebody down you know there's three managers including Vinny have been in that hot season since uh, Kenny left after the 2018 season so just to get that consistency down it would be absolutely vital whether you're a fan of Vinny Pears or not but it's definitely something that the club needs Um yeah, as well, he's not a man in demand, but we talked about him, didn't we, uh, not too long ago, that he was in the mix for the Northern Ireland under-21 role, uh, I think it was last month, that ultimately went to John Schofield. So, yeah, there's definitely plenty of uh, a real man innuendo if any players would even stick around uh, for next season. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, like I said, just get the consistency down, whether Dundalk fans, anyone listening in, uh, it would fully supporting Vinnie Pearce and I feel that it's just important for Dundalk to get that now we've seen how much can work with the likes of Waterford and Derry City when you commit to a manager long term you know it's sort of it steadies the ship a little bit you know especially in this league where it has a reputation for being somewhat of a revolving door system at the best of times with managers Yeah they're, they find themselves second from bottom the results change for a slight bit under Vinny now they're struggling a, a one-all draw I think away to Waterford and you know they're a point off Waterford 
four points off Finn Harps. They've got Longford this week, and you're expecting them to go and win that one. And with Waterford playing against Shamrock Rovers, you're expecting them to jump out of, of the bottom two. But they, they're definitely in a fight. Um, what do the supporters, you know, think of Vinny maybe getting two years? Yeah, like, no, I'm not, I'd like to gauge the interest. Um, it seems to be a mixed reaction. I think um, there was definitely, I think a lot of the sentiment goes away from Vinny. You know, a lot of the sentiment coming out of Dundalk supporters is that it goes higher than Vinny Pierce. That Now, maybe Vinny could be the man to lead him forward if he's given the reins to do so. And probably actually heading back to the original point of saying about the local speculation that Peak Six are negotiating the sale of the club. That was more of what the Dundalk fans are commenting about that the feelers the club needs this and needs to sale and needs an owner to come in or a good owner to come in that genuinely care about the club and isn't just going to open or leave shift if the club fails to make European football. Now, for instance, Vinny, he, he, he has come out easy and said that European football is still on the cards this season, whether that be with the league, which is, for me, it's looking very unlikely to get through the league. But realistically, with the FBI Cup, there's still three games, three wins away from making European football next season. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, the, 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 the fan sentiment seems to be more so about that, that second piece of information that getting peak six out of the club would be would benefit them going forward. Yeah, I suppose Vinny's only going to be judged now once they go and then all focus yeah. then is back on him again. So, um, OK, it's not a bad thing getting stability, so it'll be interesting to see if that happens and if there is a change in ownership, then uh, for me, I think that's going to be a great thing for Dundalk because uh, it's been so poorly mismanaged this year and they are where they are because of it. OK, Nathan, we, we were discussing something during the international break and we realised that there was a lot of players in the under-21s who were League of Ireland players. And there was a, a full fixture, well, nearly a full fixture, of League of Ireland games on that Friday night, the, the very same uh, weekend that Ireland and the under-21s were playing. And it got us thinking about, um, well, do the League of Ireland ever get games called off? So you did a little bit of digging. What happened? I did. I did a little digging because I'm an absolute selfish bastard and it affected Pats this time around. Pats had a goalkeeper, Reed Yarwas, uh, gone off a Czech Republic under 21 and uh, Ben McCormick and King Corbley went off of the Ireland underage system. So three players, two of them uh, key for Pats and Yarwas and McCormick in particular um, that were gone off. Now we did see, like you said, Bohemians in the Derry game were called off with Austin DeVoy, Andy Lyons and Ross Tierney all heading off with Jim Crawford's under-21 squad. But yeah, looking in, just to get a little bit of clarity, apparently if you have players going off at international duty uh, in the SSE league, both the Premier and the Fourth Division, you can only get a game postponed if two players are called up to either the Irish senior or the Irish under-21 squads so other national teams don't come into consideration so we've seen Dundalk is actually a good example just just shifting back away onto Vinny Pierce for a second they've had players representing Latvia the Fair Royals and Northern Ireland in, in, in the, the few months just gone there and they still had to play a game because even though the, the party had more than two players gone out on international duty because he didn't fall into the Irish category they went off the likes of Lafayette and Fair Royals like I was saying you still have to play the games so that's how 
Pats are stone this time around because he had three players gone off, but none of them were called up to order. The Irish senior or under-21 squads, like I said, McCormick, Cobley, were gone to the underage. I think it's the 17th or something, gone to the underage uh, team. And beat Yaris went off to Czech Republic. So, yeah, it's probably a rule. And uh, with the league, you know, it's, it's, it's always diversifying, isn't it? Like the world itself, it's always diversifying. Uh, and we have different nationalities coming into the league, uh, much more backer base than I've ever seen. So, yeah, it could be a rule and that, that, that could have to be looked at in the future. Yeah, it's it's definitely an interesting one. As you said, there's more of an international feel starting to happen with the, with the Irish teams. Uh, on one side... When you look at it, it's a great ruling because it just means that you should be bringing through more Irish players and if you're bringing through good youth players and they get into the under-21s or the, or the main team, uh, that's good for the Irish game. If you're getting, I suppose, buying in uh, players from outside of the country, you're not really helping the game. So maybe you could look at it that way, that it's a it's an incentive nearly to produce your own players. If they change that, then is it a free-for-all? You can go and buy anyone you want. There's no consequences. Should they, would you think that they should just call the games off on an international week? Because when you have games um, on a Saturday for the Irish game uh, games get called off within hours of the Irish international game so uh, from an amateur level so should it be similar with the League of Ireland? I was about to say I remember even playing myself in this game called off am I wrong at saying was, was, was that once a practice was League of Ireland games ever called off due to an Irish uh, senior national team schedule I'm not too sure if it was or not uh, anyone listening, maybe maybe, maybe, you know, maybe uh, back in the day. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah, maybe, maybe it would have been. Um, but I do. I think I remember you talking to some old fans, and they mentioned that it used to be a practice that went on back in the day. Um, yeah, I suppose it's always a word, you know. Uh, like I said, I, I personally like to see the rules change. I do know where you're coming from. That it does it definitely entices um, players to you know homegrown the talent instead of going elsewhere um, but yeah no, I'd like to see it um, just if the senior team is playing then if, if amateur football come get stopped yeah League of Ireland football should probably be the same That's definitely a St. Pat's hat on you're wearing there when we're discussing that one <laughs> Yeah, yeah. yeah could come back to me in a bit come back to me in a bit of months the next thing I'm after break when nobody gets called up nah fuck them <laughs> when, when, when your keeper is gone and you, you, you don't rely on them so much maybe yeah. you, you'll change your mind okay listen we'll leave that one there Sorry, that, sorry don't, don't don't blame you. We are very moky in goal against Longwood in 2012. So, here we go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, both Stephen Kenny and James McLean came out swinging when talking about the Irish media ahead of the Serbia game. Nathan, are we a nation of begrudgers? Uh, is there an us and them kind of mentality coming out with Stephen Kenny? Is he kind of using the, the old Mourinho trick? Yeah, it's, um, it was a good week for interviews, wasn't it? Jesus, we certainly got with, with, with Stephen Kenny, James McLean, and Tim Clancy. We, we definitely got lads coming out firing. <laughs> yeah, look, just a bit of background before we go on. Um, Stephen was defending his Ireland run, defending the bad results, and uh, mentioning not a positive performances against the likes of Portugal and the two games against Serbia. Uh, talked about losing the spine of his squad. You know, mentioned the likes of Darren Randolph, Luca Keogh, Glenn Leland, David McGoldrick, all dropping out of the Ireland setup for one reason or another. 
And he asked, even the, it was one of these virtual press conferences, he asked the people at the conference, did anyone realistically think we were going to qualify? I even said that in one of the sports bars that even when the group came in fourth, I, I didn't give us much of a hope. And we probably should have used this qualifying campaign to do what Stephen is trying to do in terms of putting a focus on the younger players and changing the system. Um, and yeah, so it is to, to, to carry on with that, Stephen even said that the focus that he's made, the decision that he's made, is that the focus is going to be fully beyond Germany uh, in the 2024 Euros. So no pressure on there, Stephen, to, to qualify for that after making that statement. And yeah, just to continue on, he, he believes that a lot of people have been nearsighted. That you understand, yes, it is a results-based business, but that builds something here. And, and Stephen, in fairness to him, he used some big words, now really believes he's doing something special and really believes that he has a high caliber of, of quality players. Um, then James uh, jumped on, and we, we all know James, soft-spoken, James McLean doesn't like to speak out on that often. Uh, he came up with a good one, actually. James uh, really went at the Irish media. He said that the Irish media gets a kick out of the failure. Not us, James. Not us, mate. You just, you just watch any of your sports bars. We were not the prize boy, weren't we? We were friends of, of the, the Republic of Ireland uh, self. Uh, yeah, so James went on. He reckons that people are fickle and uh, the Irish media is, is almost as bad as the English media for, uh, the, for the pressure and the harassment that we seem to put on the, the, the national team. Um, yeah, to answer one of your questions, it was uh, certainly from when James McLean came on and listened to his full interview. That was just one snippet of a long enough interview it definitely seems to be building some sort of a us against them mentality we know that can work out we see it here at League of Ireland level but probably again just off the top of my head in half they're probably the best sort of doing that with Ollie Hogan the, 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 what, what he puts into his players uh, and the mentality that he puts into his players and I will say if that is the case if the team are behind them, uh, behind the scenes I feel it would make it, it definitely does make it harder for the FBI to make that decision to let them go. If that's something they're going to do, I know they came home. It, it seems, all signs to be, seem to be a little bit more rosy in terms of Stephen Kane staying at the job until at least the end of the qualifying campaign. But yeah, yeah, so it, it was definitely, I, I thought it was really interesting to hear where James in particular come out and, and make some of the statements. And even Stephen, yeah. like Stephen himself, you know, he, he's a, Probably to, to not yeah, be too harsh on it. He's in the tallest, he's not a great interviewer. So I can't remember the last time I've listened to him talk before a game as Ireland manager and it hasn't given me for confidence at all. Just from talking against Portugal uh, before the game. Now I know it's going to be, to be a brilliant performance and maybe half, but I thought, Jesus, you know, that there wasn't much in, there wasn't much pizzazz or zap in that interview, you know, but to hear him come out and talk so passionately, you know, it, it was good to see him. But see him fight back and fight back because you know, there's, there's been a lot of negativity, a lot and lots of it over the past year, even for Stephen. So to see him come out and comment on that, you know, it, it's good. And I still stand by it. I still 100% back him. Yeah, no, and so do I. I want to see him go on and, and do the job into the Euro 24. If, if it doesn't happen then, it's more than likely uh, so long, farewell. Um, yeah, but, you know, he is building the team. Listen, I don't get, I, I don't get this whole thing where there's people talking about him as if he has a project he's building this thing you know he's trying to build someone put up a yoke there yesterday I'm not sure if it was um, oh I can't remember Irish footy vlogs uh, might have put it up 
um, saying it was a Ryan McBride foundation put up saying he's trying to build Irish football back after the Trapetonian O'Neill years uh, from the ground up and I, I don't think it's that big a, a thing that he's going and doing you know he's he's bringing in young players that the league are starting to produce the, young, the League of Ireland and, and the the youth teams around the country are producing and he's just bedding them in. He can see who the best are and he's bedding them in. He's not making them himself out in his little workshop out in the back garden. So he, he's doing the job that he's being asked to do. You can't you can't play anyone else because there is no one else. The the Hendrixes, the Bradys, you know, you know, Hendrix is hanging in there at the moment. Brady uh, Glenn Whelan's gone you know it was the time to change over he hadn't actually got a choice yeah. but to change these people over yes he might have had to make a couple of calls on, on a couple of those players and it has worked out for him and that's great but it is a job that probably you're expecting them to have to do so um, I, I do think that he has been unlucky severely unlucky uh, especially uh, the first half of his or first three quarters of his term but now it's starting to settle down of you know what players he has and and what it's looking like and I still think I still think he has to take credit for a lot of things and I think he needs to take some of the stuff on the chin, um, the likes of the Luxembourg and Azerbaijan result. Not even so much the result, but more the performances that were put in. Then when you put in big performances against Portugal and Serbia and. Uh, even in, in other games before that, big games that they've put in good performances and and didn't look didn't look uh, out of place at all with these teams, um, and then to play against Luxembourg and Azerbaijan and not look like winning a game and you know struggling, yeah. probably looking like they were going to lose against Azerbaijan and and you know again saved by another corner and and, and Shane Duffy, we just don't have that inventiveness. So yeah, I think there's still loads to work on, but. When you look at the other candidates, Nathan, and you see Robbie Keane and Damien Duff being touted, not an ounce of experience between them in, in the managerial world. So wh- where are you going there? You're just going backwards there. There's, there's yeah. nothing there. It's it a of the coin, ho- hoping that it would work out. Um, again, Roy Keane, he's had his chance. He was there with Martin O'Neill. That's his chance gone. I, 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 I say it to lads all the time. And I'm a Manchester United fan, as you are, Roy. You know, mm-hmm. after the excellent player in his day, for me, this is this isn't a man that should be anywhere near senior football and any coaching coaching capacity. I won't go. I won't go that far. I won't go that far. But what I will agree, he had his time at Ireland. He chose to be an yeah. assistant manager. I can't see him offering uh, some of the decisions near the end were a little bit baffling. That maybe Martin made them, but I mean, if I was Roy Keane, I would have been whispering in his ear. But I think he's had a chance there, so I I, I couldn't see him do that. Neil Lennon uh, doesn't really inspire me, no. and there was a whole load of others. Uh, Stephen Reid, Stephen Reid, Lee Carsley. Again, these are not people who are taking up managerial roles. These are people who are doing good coaching jobs uh, in the background. So it's a difference between being a coach and a manager. You know, you don't have to make the decisions. Uh, Mikel Arteta at Arsenal is figuring that one out. So yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I I think Stephen Kenny is there. He started some. Something, you know, let them go through. Don't, don't review it at the end. Well, you have to review it, but don't be making decisions at the end of this World Cup campaign. It's at the end of the Euro 24. You know, the only thing I would say is, Nathan, the FAI need money in and they see these tournaments as money. Could they turn around and say, no, we'll get a, a Sam Allardyce or, or someone with a name who they think may go and give them that extra cash sort of influx? 
I was just about to say, oh, you, you forgot the biggest name on that list of candidates there. You, you send it on to me one of the mornings, and Jesus or Lily, I'd have palpitations reading the name for you to spread off here. Yeah, I, like I said to you, I, I really, really do think that the Serie game probably saved his job, the performance, and I, I, I know I was on the, the way back and listened to, to yourself and Neil talk about it, and just other people talk about it. I thought it was, the Serie game was a decent performance. Uh, we relied on a goalkeeper heavily to get us out of trouble and a known goal to describe a draw, but I still think now there's enough there, there's enough passion, there was enough good forward uh, play. Like the last 20 minutes, we, we put some serious pressure on the, a really, really good serious side. So, yeah, I, I do think that the performance uh, may have saved his job. I think a rash decision would have been made, like you said. Nathan, just, and sorry, I'm, gonna and, st- I'm just going to stop you there, Nathan, just for a sec. Do you think, because you're saying, I think that game saved his job, do you think that actually the supporters might have saved his job because they seemed fully behind him in that game? I was delighted to see um, the in Kenny we trust sign yeah. behind in the, in the south stand, you know, because I was actually, I was really, really intrigued to see what the, the reception would be like, you know, uh, for Stephen Kenny because all the majority of what I'm seeing it's quite split, you know, really a split, and it's there's no in between, isn't there? And the people that are begrudging them, they're, they're really they're, they're anti uh, Stephen Kenny. But I think a lot of that falls down to I think there was there the poor view in the League of Ireland as a whole. You know, why well, is only League of Ireland manager? He's only found success in the League of Ireland, so automatically that that cuts any credibility that he has. Forget the fact that he's probably the most, probably the best coach in this country, and, and if he wanted to go with a homegrown Irish manager, he's the man for the, he's the only man for the job in my view, if that's the route he wants to take. But uh, yeah, I was actually delighted to see the support for him, you know, as someone that's that that's backed him, that's going to back him that yeah, look, like you said, when if we don't qualify or if we don't make a, a, a good account of ourselves uh coming up to the Euro twenty twenty four, of course you're gonna have to let him go. You know, you can't just keep defending him because even he said that's the goal going forward. But yeah. Um, it, it definitely could have been. It was nice, it was, like I said, really nice to see the fan support from you know, and you could tell he was feeding off it as well. The passion even when when the when the own goal went in from Stephen, it was a mix of relief on his face. Obviously, like I, said, I really think he was under pressure coming into this game, but you know, just seeing seeing him soaking in that adulation, that joy, and and, and that support after the game, it was nice to see, especially for a man that's been under huge stress and huge pressure and under massive criticism as well pretty much since he stepped into the job like, like, even though that's his first game you know he, he was under made the pressure from the world's goal his first game was a year 2020 playoff uh, qualifier that he lost a penalty so already you know there was, neg- there was a negativity around that not qualifying for year 2020 and losing just it's such a massive high profile game it was, it was a tough start for us even so that hasn't really subsided in a, in a lot of section of fans either hasn't it yeah, that there's still a lot of or a lot of supporters out there who are hammering, hammering them uh, for uh, and for some things I agree with. To tell you the truth, I, there's like there is certain things I agree with. I think he got his selection totally wrong against Azerbaijan. I think the shape that he had three up front, uh, I didn't think that was uh, the way to go. I still don't think it is the way to go, and I, I wouldn't look forward to him playing that. In the future, I don't think that's the way we, we, we... Like the two up front, the way we played against Portugal, kind of the same way against uh, Serbia, more of a, a one up front and one in behind. But I just thought that that, that was that was the way forward. And um, yeah, I, I, I there's some things that he has done 
really well and some things that you, you would question. But the people who are want them out are focusing heavily on every negative that you can and that's easily done I suppose so um, yeah. listen everyone's entitled to their opinion and uh, it would be a very boring world if if, if we all had the same opinion so um, we'll leave that there and we'll, we'll be looking forward to the next few games and see what can happen and what can turn around and uh, the, the Nation League comes on and then the, of course the draw for the Euro so uh, there's a lot ahead there for hopefully Stephen Kenny to look forward to and uh, the Republic of Ireland players and supporters now Nathan finish off with the fans question yeah we got a going in as always this week boy. Uh, anyone listening that, that wants to avoid a fan question we'd absolutely love it get us out the big kick off you can get us on social media you know all Facebook Instagram Twitter LinkedIn, all that good stuff. You can get yourself Nathan Doyle and all them platforms I mentioned above, except for Twitter. I'm not on Twitter because it's an absolute desktop and he won't find me on that. So anyway, uh, this week's question is from a jetman called Frank Keeley. So cheers to this one, Frank. We really appreciate it. Frank says, will Celtic keep tapping into the League of Ireland for young players? My answer would be why wouldn't they keep tapping in? I think it'd be very stupid not to tap in. Such a huge club within Europe and uh, obviously in Scotland, but such a huge club. And for them not to tap into an Irish market that is full of supporters of Celtic football club, uh, there's a huge, uh, I suppose a huge love I suppose for Celtic here with many people going across uh, week after week to support them so um, no doubt there's many players there who would love to go there and it's a great stepping stone as well if you if you go any further so I just couldn't see why why they wouldn't and to tell you the truth I just can't see why anyone else wouldn't you know there's a lot of good talent there and I do know Brexit's going to cause problems so that'll be interesting to see what way uh, that goes uh, just with Irish players you can only take them at a certain age so they they do like to take them uh, well they have been taking them at a younger age and then destroying them and sending them back so it'll be interesting to see if we can build them up to the level that they need to go across because really and truly the players that have been going across there are players who are playing in and, and I can, I'm only saying this from a Dublin point of view but I know there'll be Cork and Munster and, and you know Connacht and up the north and whatever there'll be loads of different leagues loads of different teams but for some teams in, in Dublin that will be training twice a week that player will be training twice a week and that might be three hours of training and then he has a match at the weekend and they say that over in England that they're training up to 20 hours so if you want to go into your whatever it is Blackburn or Celtic or Manchester United or Liverpool they're training 20 hours a week so for our players who might be of similar talent might be similar determination motivation all that sort of stuff they're not getting the training here and even if they do their own training and they do a towards night training they might get about 10 hours as well. so they really have to put an awful lot of time uh, themselves and of their own time to get up to the level that they need to go across when they have a trial and just to be able to compete so uh, yeah it's, it's, it's I suppose it's a bigger challenge for, for them um, at a younger age so now that's gone they might have to work their way through the League of Ireland and this platform will be ready for them and then like Liam Scales who went from UCD built them up UCD and then on to Shamrock Rovers 
he's naturally getting that sort of level of training, fitness and getting the hours under his belt. So um, there, there could very well be ready made here for these teams now. And if I was Celtic, I'd be snapping up. There's quite a few that we already know that we yeah. agree that are, are quality players. I'd be taking a serious look at them. Yeah, definitely. Um, like you mentioned, obviously, Liam Scales is the one. Um, he's gone over now, 23, and I've said this before, and it's going to be a benefit of Brexit. You know, he, he's seasoned. He's that bit more seasoning on than he would if he went over if he was only a teenager. You know, he's played in high profile domestic and European games for Shamrock Rovers in particular. Uh, I wonder if this question sort of comes off the back. I, I know I've seen um, reports somewhere, could have been before too, or, or someone of that ilk. And uh, Johnny Kenny of Sligo Rovers and Killian Phillips of Drottery United, two, two absolutely outstanding young prospects in this league. Uh, the Celtic will keep tabs on them and, and monitoring them when they do, uh, when they are ready to, uh, to make a move over. I think Killian is actually of age, and Killian is 19, and I've been really impressed with him at Drottery this season. Mm. So I think for those two examples, both Johnny and Killian, I think you could deal with a bit more time in the league. Like I was saying, this is going to be a benefit of Brexit, you know, if you can have Johnny and Killian sleep safe another year or two, you know, get them more experience in their belt and, and grow into themselves, you know. Like, like look at Liam going over there, he's a ready-made footballer and I do really, and I genuinely staunchly do think that you can get into that Celtic team. I think there's no reason why he can't. Um, I, there was one, and now that the play devil's advocate right, there was a couple of complaints that, again, when Celtic were mentioned, a lot of people mentioned the fact that, um, uh, especially in, I just had the the underage uh, system up here when we screen in front of me that uh, for the Celtic under twenty squad there is a number of Irish players in there that haven't not only broke into the folk team but haven't even got a chance in some of the smaller cup games or even when the when the squad was struggling with injury they haven't got that call up yet like they even have Barry Coffey now uh, coming over and long playing with Cork City and, and he's been really impressive for Cork since he came in watching them against Pat he was actually excellent on the night. So that was one complaint that I did see that, you know, oh, like, keep your hands off, you know, keep your hands off those Johnny Kelly, uh, uh, Johnny Kenny and Killian Phillips that you have a, enough floundering Irish players over there. But I don't know. I, I, I think that stance is a bit strange for me. I, I, if Would you not agree, Nathan, good, that good what, what I just discussed there as well, though, that these clubs should be looking at these players maybe at a, a Liam Scales age let them develop here have a good look at them and then take them on and don't be taking them on over to slot them into their reserves or their under 23s for them to rot away to let them uh, have a deal maybe make a deal loan them out for two years again to Bose or whatever it is uh, or for a year and say listen we want them to progress with your club but we want to have the, the first uh, say in a, a, a deal or whatever like that because they're, as you said, they're getting the experience and they're and they're they're more seasoned now. And and you look at scales; it's done him the world of good. Yeah, no, big time, hundred percent. And it's going back to what I said about that. If that would be the one positive of Brexit when it comes to football, it's that these lads will be more than likely will stay. You know, there's, there's offers will come in from the likes of fans, Italy. We've seen that happen. We've seen players, uh, the likes of Pat, one lad, uh, Pat went over to fans. It was a lot of went over from Shamrock Rovers into Milan. Um, but, yes, yeah, like I said to you, I think just taking the example of Johnny Kenny and Killian Phillips, they'll do the world of good. They're just staying at the club right now for a year or two. If they're good enough, they will go over. 
they deserve to go over. Nobody's going to have a good shot off them. No one's going to stop them going over. I just, like I was saying, just, just seeing the stance of, you know, well, you have enough young Irish talent over there not doing much. I think it's a strange one. You know, I think from a league point of view, if you are league one supporters, you know, you just want the best for these players. And the best is for them to go over and, and try with the likes of Celtic that, look, I, I'm not an advocate of the FDL. I don't enjoy it. I'm not a supporter, but there's no annoyance. Like Celtic as a brand and, and in the, the goal of European football, you know, it's, it's unknown. They're very, they're, they're European record in recent years has been terrible by their standards, you know. Um, but they were known brand, they were known club, they were a club that aspires. I know they, they haven't always done it in recent years, but they aspire for regular European football. So if you have someone like Liam Scales, a perfect example, that's ready made to go over and make an impact and not just flounder in the underage system. Yes, there's, there's plenty of those prospects in the league, you know. Uh, mentioned the two boys, we mentioned Dawson DeVoy to the Cowboys from home, and there's loads more, and we can be sitting here for. From a lot, long, long time to mention this, some of the exciting prospects that the league has to offer. So, yeah, for me, it, it's a no-brainer that a side of Celtic wouldn't tap into America. Like you said, brilliantly, uh, it goes hand in hand, you know, with, with the Irish fan base that, that follows that group. Yeah, I think if I was a young player and Celtic were in for me, I don't think I'd go to Celtic unless I was, um, I suppose, kind of knew that I was going to be in that. In, in around that first 11 I don't think I'd go over there to sit on the bench and um, again as I said in the reserves or, or what have you so I, I would say take that move very very wisely if you don't think you're going to get in there uh, maybe maybe League of Ireland isn't a bad place for you to go until you think you are ready so um, okay that's that uh, we have the League of Ireland Sports Bar as always the League of Ireland Football Show on a Sunday and um, do have a look back at the League of Ireland uh, or not the League of Ireland Sports Bar the Big Kickoff Sports Bar which covered the three Ireland games on the Big Kickoff League of Ireland channel on YouTube and can you subscribe we would love for you to subscribe help us make more content and uh, just give a little nod to your friends as well just to give us one click of a button means the world to us means probably very little to you but uh, we'd be hugely grateful Nathan thanks very much and everyone who listened thank you and we'll talk to you again next week